0: Book 2 chapter 2 of The Black Arrow This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville South Carolina The Black Arrow by Robert Louis Stevenson book 2 chapter 2 The Two Oaths Sir Daniel was in the hall. There he paced angrily before the fire, awaiting Dick's arrival. None was by except Sir Oliver, and he sat discreetly backward, thumbing and muttering over his breviary. "Ye have sent for me, Sir Daniel?' said young Shelton. "'I have sent for you indeed,' replied the knight. "'For what cometh to mine ears? Have I been to you so heavy a guardian that ye make haste to credit ill of me?' Or sith that you see me, for the nonce some worsted, do ye think to quit my party? By the mass, your father was not so. Those he was near, those he stood by, come wind or weather. But you, Dick, ye are a fair day, friend, it seemeth, and now seek to clear yourself of your allegiance." "'An it please you, Sir Daniel, not so?' replied Dick, firmly. "'I am grateful and faithful. Where gratitude and faith are due and before more is said i thank you and i thank sir oliver you have great claims upon me both none can have more i were a hound if i forgot them it is well said sir daniel and then rising into anger gratitude and faith are words dick shelton he continued but i look to deeds in this hour of my peril when my name is attainted when my lands are forfeit, when this wood is full of men that hunger and thirst for my destruction, what doth gratitude? what doth faith? I have but a little company remaining. Is it grateful or faithful to poison me their hearts with your insidious whisperings? Say me from such gratitude. But come now, what is it you wish? Speak, we are here to answer. If ye have aught against me, stand forth and say it." sir replied Dick. My father fell when I was yet a child. It hath come to mine ears that he was foully done by. It hath come to mine ears, for I will not dissemble, that ye had a hand in his undoing. And in all verity, I shall not be at peace in mine own mind, nor very clear to help you, till I have certain resolution of these doubts. Sir Daniel sat down in a deep settle he took his chin in his hand and looked at dick fixedly and you think i would be guardian to the man's son that i had murdered he asked nay said dick pardon me if i answer churlishly but indeed you know right well a wardship is most profitable all these years have you not enjoyed my revenues and led my men have you not still my marriage i wot not what it may be worth It is worth something pardon me again but if you were base enough to slay a man under trust here were perhaps reason enough to move you to the lesser baseness when i was lad of your years returned sir daniel sternly my mind had not so turned upon suspicions and sir oliver here he added why should he a priest be guilty of this act nay sir daniel said dick but where the master biddeth there will the dog go it is well known this priest is but your instrument i speak very freely the time is not for courtesies even as i speak so would i be answered and answer get i none ye but put more questions i read ye beware sir daniel but in this way ye will but nourish and not satisfy my doubts I will answer you fairly, Master Richard," said the knight. Were I to pretend ye have not stirred my wrath, I were no honest man. But I will be just, even in anger. Come to me with these words when ye are grown, and come to man's estate, and I am no longer your guardian, and so helpless to resent them. Come to me then, and I will answer you as ye merit, with a buffet in the mouth. Till then ye have two courses. Either swallow me down these insults, keep a silent tongue, and fight in the meanwhile for the man that fed and fought for your infancy, or else, the door standeth open, the woods are full of mine enemies, go!' The spirit with which these words were uttered, the looks with which they were accompanied, staggered Dick, and yet he could not but observe that he had got no answer. I desire nothing more earnestly, Sir Daniel, than to believe you," he replied. Assure me, ye are free from this." "'Will ye take my word of honour, Dick?' inquired the knight. "'That would I,' answered the lad. "'I give it you,' returned Sir Daniel. "'Upon my word of honour, upon the eternal welfare of my spirit, and as I shall answer for my deeds hereafter. I had no hand nor portion in your father's death he extended his hand and dick took it eagerly neither of them observed the priest who at the pronunciation of that solemn and false oath had half arisen from his seat in an agony of horror and remorse ah cried dick you must find it in your great-heartedness to pardon me i was a churl indeed to doubt of you but you have my hand upon it I will doubt no more nay dick replied sir daniel ye are forgiven ye know not the world and its calumnious nature i was the more to blame added dick in that the rogues pointed not directly at yourself but at sir oliver as he spoke he turned towards the priest and paused in the middle of the last word this tall ruddy corpulent high-stepping man had fallen you might say to pieces his color was gone his limbs were relaxed his lips stammered prayers and now when dick's eyes were fixed upon him suddenly he cried out aloud like some wild animal and buried his face in his hands sir daniel was by him in two strides and shook him fiercely by the shoulder at the same moment dick's suspicions reawakened nay he said Sir Oliver may swear also. "'Twas him they accused.' "'He shall swear,' said the knight. Sir Oliver speechlessly waved his arms. "'Aye, by the mass, but ye shall swear,' cried Sir Daniel, beside himself with fury. "'Here, upon this book, ye shall swear.' He continued, picking up the breviary, which had fallen to the ground. "'What? Ye make me doubt you. Swear, I say, swear!' But the priest was still incapable of speech his terror of sir daniel his terror of perjury risen to about an equal height strangled him and just then through the high stained glass window of the hall a black arrow crashed and struck and stuck quivering in the midst of the long table sir oliver with a loud scream fell fainting on the rushes while the knight followed by dick dashed into the court and up the nearest corkscrew stair to the battlements. The sentries were all on the alert. The sun shone quietly on green lawns, dotted with trees, and on the wooded hills of the forest which enclosed the view. There was no sign of a besieger. "'Whence came that shot?' asked the knight. "'From yonder clump, Sir Daniel,' returned a sentinel. The knight stood a little, musing. Then he turned to Dick. "'Dick!' he said, Keep me an eye upon these men. I leave you in charge here. As for the priest, he shall clear himself, or I will know the reason why. I do almost begin to share in your suspicions. He shall swear, trust me, or we shall prove him guilty." Dick answered somewhat coldly, and the knight, giving him a piercing glance, hurriedly returned to the hall. His first glance was for the arrow. It was the first of these missiles he had seen, and as he turned it to and fro, the dark hue of it touched him with some fear. Again there was some writing. One word. Earthed. Aye, he broke out. They know I am home, then. Earthed. Aye, but there is not a dog among them fit to dig me out. Sir Oliver had come to himself, and now scrambled to his feet. Alack, Sir Daniel, he moaned. Ye have sworn a dread oath. Ye are doomed to the end of time. Aye, returned the knight, I have sworn an oath indeed, thou chucklehead, but thyself shall swear a greater. It shall be on the blessed cross of Holywood. Look to it, get the words ready. It shall be sworn to-night. Now may heaven lighten you, replied the priest. May heaven incline your heart from this iniquity. "'Look you, my good father,' said Sir Daniel, "'if ye are for piety, I say no more. Ye begin late, that is all. But if ye are in any sense bent upon wisdom, hear me. This lad beginneth to irk me like a wasp. I have a need for him, for I would sell his marriage. But I tell you, in all plainness, that if he continues to weary me, he shall go join his father.' I give orders now to change him to the chamber above the chapel. If that ye can swear your innocency with a good solid oath and an assured countenance, it is well. The lad will be at peace a little, and I will spare him. If that ye stammer or blench, or anyways boggle at the swearing, he will not believe you, and by the mass he shall die. There is for your thinking on— "'Chamber above the chapel?' gasped the priest. "'The same,' replied the knight. "'So if ye desire to save him, save him. And if ye desire not, prithee go too, and let me be at peace. For an I had been a hasty man, I would already have put my sword through you, for your intolerable cowardice and folly. Have ye chosen? Say!' "'I have chosen,' said the priest.' heaven pardon me i will do evil for good i will swear for the lad's sake so it is best said sir daniel send for him then speedily ye shall see him alone yet i shall have an eye on you i shall be here in the panel room the knight raised the heiress and let it fall again behind him there was a sound of a spring opening then followed the creaking of trod stairs sir oliver left alone cast a timorous glance upward at the arras covered wall and crossed himself with every appearance of terror and contrition nay if he is in the chapel room the priest murmured were it at my soul's cost i must save him three minutes later dick who had been summoned by another messenger found sir oliver standing by the hall table resolute and pale Richard Shelton he said you have required an oath from me i might complain i might deny you but my heart is moved toward you for the past and i will even content you as ye chose by the true cross of holywood i did not slay your father sir oliver returned dick when first we read john amendall's paper i was convinced of so much but suffer me to put two questions ye did not slay him granted but had ye no hand in it none said sir oliver and at the same time he began to contort his face and signal with his mouth and eyebrows like one who desired to convey a warning yet dared not utter a sound dick regarded him in wonder then he turned and looked all about him at the empty hall what make ye he inquired why not returned the priest hastily smoothing his countenance i make naught. i do but suffer i am sick I, I i prithee dick i must be gone on the true cross of holywood i am clean innocent alike of violence or treachery content ye good lad farewell and he made his escape from the apartment with unusual alacrity dick remained rooted to the spot his eyes wandering about the room his face a changing picture of various emotions wonder doubt suspicion and amusement gradually as his mind grew clearer suspicion took the upper hand and was succeeded by certainty of the worst he raised his head and as he did so violently started high upon the wall there was the figure of a savage hunter woven in the tapestry with one hand he held a horn to his mouth In the other he brandished a stout spear his face was dark for he was meant to represent an african now here was what had startled richard shelton the sun had moved away from the hall windows and at the same time the fire had blazed up high on the wide hearth and shed a changeful glow upon the roof and hangings in this light the figure of the black hunter had winked at him with a white eyelid he continued staring at the eye The light shone upon it like a gem. It was liquid. It was alive. Again, the white eyelid closed upon it for a fraction of a second, and the next moment, it was gone. There could be no mistake. The live eye that had been watching him through a hole in the tapestry was gone. The firelight no longer shone on a reflecting surface. And instantly Dick awoke to the terrors of his position. Hatch's warning— The mute signals of the priest this eye that had observed him from the wall ran together in his mind he saw he had been put upon his trial that he had once more betrayed his suspicions and that short of some miracle he was lost if i cannot get me forth out of this house he thought i am a dead man and this poor matcham too to what a cockatrice's nest have i not led him he was still so thinking, when there came one in haste, to bid him help in changing his arms, his clothing, and his two or three books, to a new chamber. "'A new chamber?' he repeated. "'Wherefore so? What chamber?' "'Tis one above the chapel,' answered the messenger. "'It hath stood long empty,' said Dick, musing. "'What manner of room is it?' "'Nay, a brave room,' returned the man. "'But yet—' lowering his voice they call it haunted haunted repeated dick with a chill i have not heard of it nay then and by whom the messenger looked about him and then in a low whisper by the sacrist of st john's he said they had him there to sleep one night and in the morning he was gone the devil had taken him they said the more betoken He had drunk late the night before. Dick followed the man with black forebodings. End of chapter